0: By dear church. I hope that wherever you are and whoever you are with right now, that you've been blessed and you've been able to engage with that wonderful time of worship that we've just shared. It's so amazing to me that even in this time where we are limited in the ways we're able to physically gather, we are still able to join together in unity to praise and exalt the name of Jesus to lift up our voices in unity of purpose and unity of heart right across this nation and across the planet in order to proclaim His glory and His majesty, His honour, His strength and His power. It's my prayer today that as I share with you, you'll be blessed and encouraged and by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us, that we would be changed and transformed in His presence. You know, over these last few weeks, we've been sharing around the vision that God has placed on the hearts of our lead pastors, Carl and Ange, for 2022. And that vision is build and bless. God is calling Life Church to build his kingdom. That is what he has called all of us to do. And one of the ways we are going to do that is to live a life that is a blessing to others. And as I've been hearing this vision and listening to these messages, like many of you, I'm sure, I've found myself both challenged and encouraged. And I've been reflecting on a number of the things that have been shared. And while I've been thinking about and meditating on those two words, build and bless, I've also been aware of another word that has been very present in our everyday lives throughout these same few weeks. It's a word we've all been hearing quite a lot for some time now, but it's really ramped up again in recent months. It's the word isolation. Isolation, self-isolation, managed isolation. This word has been in our faces a lot lately. I don't think I can even remember the last time I went through a day without reading or saying or hearing that word. It's just become a part of our vernacular. It's become a part of our lives. And I can't help but notice the contrast between some of the teaching that Carl has been sharing about intimacy with God, about building our lives on a foundation of intimacy and relationship and closeness with God, how that concept of intimacy and closeness contrasts so strongly with this idea and this word of isolation. I've had numbers of conversations with people who are struggling at the moment with how isolated they feel, how disconnected they feel, how separated they feel, how much they are longing for those deep and meaningful relationships, but in this season, they're not finding them. I don't think it's a stretch to say that feelings of isolation and disconnectedness are very common right now because we don't just feel isolated and disconnected. Many of us are isolated and disconnected. These are very strange days in which we live. And so my mind has been trying to reconcile all these thoughts. How do I live a life built on intimacy in this world that is struggling with isolation? And how does that outwork itself in conjunction with our vision to look outward and to build and bless? And the strange thing is that in one sense, intimacy and isolation are completely opposite to one another. But in a lot of ways, at least at a surface level, intimacy and isolation can seem quite similar. They can both speak of solitude, of quiet, of being alone, of being away from other people and other distractions. But when you invite God in to your solitude, when you invite Him in to your quiet place, into your alone time, when you get away with Him instead of getting away from Him, that is when you build and develop your relationship with Him. And as I've been grappling with all these thoughts, there is one phrase that has repeatedly been impressed on my heart. And I've sensed, I've sensed God saying this to me, build out of intimacy, not in isolation. Build out of intimacy. Don't build in isolation. I'm sure I'm not alone in sometimes thinking that it feels like it's just easier to do your own thing. You you could get other people involved. You could teach other people how to do it. You could ask others to do some of the job, but sometimes you reach a point where you say, ah, don't worry about it. I'll just do it myself. And that can be true in a work environment. It can be true in sports. It can be true in creative endeavours. Sometimes, not all the time, and definitely not in all circumstances. But sometimes we think this would just be easier if I did it all on my own and I did it all in my own way. And even in my faith and my walk with Christ, sometimes, just sometimes, I have to be aware of the temptation to wanna just get on with doing things the way I think they should be done or the way I've always done them in the past. Even when leading worship, I have to be disciplined in making sure that I don't just do things because I know how to do them, that I don't just rely on my own knowledge, my own skills and my own experience, but instead I have to determine to try to get out of the way and allow the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide me because God desires something much better and deeper and greater than anything I could ever do on my own. And how much more do we need to rely on the guidance, strength, and wisdom of God when we are trying to fulfill an assignment like building His kingdom? Listen to these two passages, one from the Old Testament and one from the New. Isaiah chapter 17, verses 10 and 11 says this, "'You have forgotten God, your Saviour. "'You have not remembered the rock, your fortress. "'Therefore, though you set out the finest plants "'and plant imported vines, "'though on the day you set them out, you make them grow, "'and on the morning when you plant them, "'you bring them to bud, "'yet the harvest will be as nothing "'in the day of disease and incurable pain.'" or in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing." If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. I can build all I want. I can plant and sow all I want. I can know and understand all I want. I can give all I want. I can work all I want. I can believe all I want. But if I am building in isolation, If I'm building my own thing, if I'm not building out of relationship with our loving God, then it will all amount to nothing in the light of eternity. See, when we try to build in isolation instead of from a place of intimacy, we run the risk of losing sight of why we are building, we forget the motive. When we try to forge ahead and build our own thing in our own way, we risk losing sight of what we are meant to be building. We can forget about the mission. And if we've lost sight of the motive and we've lost sight of the mission, then we cannot possibly be using the right means or the right methods. We won't know how to build, and we may not have the right tools or resources to build with. But when we build, from a place of intimacy, when we sit at the feet of Jesus and receive from Him again His love, His mercy, His grace, and His peace, when we are reminded again that He is our Savior, but He is also our Lord, then we are positioned again to build with the right motive, to be on the right mission, and to build using the right means. 2 Corinthians chapter five says this, for it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us because we are absolutely convinced that he has given his life for all of us. This means all died with him so that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for him. The one who died for us and now lives again. Christ's love fuels our passion and motivates us. Christ's love compels us. Paul, the writer of Corinthians is saying clearly here that it is the love of Christ for us that drives us in our mission. Love is the motive. Love is what will drive us, what compels us to build the kingdom of God. We love because He first loved us. It is Christ's love for us that sustains us in this mission. Why are we building? Because of His love. And what is it that we're building? We're called to build the kingdom of God. We're called to spread the gospel. We're called to share the good news that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have eternal life. God's love for us is the motive, but His love for us is also the message. Love is the mission that we're carrying out. And how is it that we're building? Well, this vision that we've been sharing is to build and bless. We're building God's kingdom by blessing others, by using the gifts and blessings that we have to be a blessing to others. We are blessed to be a blessing. So God's love is the motive. The message of God's love is the mission. And showing God's love to others is the means and the method by which we are going to share that message. Love is the motive. Love is the mission and love is the means. But it all stems from a place of intimacy with Jesus. Build out of intimacy not in isolation, build and bless. In the book of Exodus, we read the account of how the Israelite people built the tabernacle or the tent of meeting as it's called. And in chapter 25, we read that Moses, the leader of the Israelites, withdrew from the rest of the people and went up the mountain to where God had called him. Moses spent 40 days and nights there on Mount Sinai in the very presence of God. He was in a place of direct, intimate relationship with Him. And during that time, God spoke to Moses about many things, but in particular, He revealed to Moses His plans for the building of the tabernacle, the tent that was to be the meeting place between God and His people. In Exodus chapter 25, verses eight and nine say, then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. See, God reveals to Moses the why of this particular building project. It was to be his dwelling place. God wanted to have his presence right amongst the people rather than at a distance on the mountain. He didn't wanna be isolated from them. He didn't wanna be distanced from them. He wanted to dwell amongst them. That was the motive, an intimacy, a closeness between God and His people. And God also reveals the what here. He reveals the mission. You are to build a sanctuary, a tabernacle, along with all the furnishings and the items that were needed. That was the mission here. That's what they were building. And then God goes into incredible detail over the how, the means and the method, what offerings are needed, what materials, how much, what size, what designs. And over the next five or six chapters of Exodus, God shows Moses the exact pattern and design that he is to have built. And we're gonna pick up the story in chapter 35. Moses has stood before all the people and told them all that God has asked for. And this is their response to him. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its service and for the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold jewellery of all kinds, brooches, earrings, rings, and ornaments, they all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Everyone who had blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen, or goat hair, ramskins dyed red, or the other durable leather brought them. Those presenting an offering of silver or bronze brought it as an offering to the Lord. And everyone who had acacia wood for any part of the work brought it. Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun, blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen. And all the women who were willing and had the skill spun the goat hair. The leaders brought onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the Israelite men and women who were willing, brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. All those who were willing and whose heart moved them, brought an offering. See, Moses knew the plan. Moses knew the motive. He knew the mission and the method. Moses had spent time in the very presence of God and had received these instructions. He was building out of a place of intimacy. And the people weren't building in isolation either. They were building together and they were building according to the plan that God had given Moses. They were building out of a heart of generosity. It was all those who were willing and whose heart moved them. But it's important to note too that they were also building out of what they each had to offer. Carl said a few weeks ago that generosity is not about how much you have in your bank account, but about using what you have. Look at the different offerings that the people brought in this passage. There was gold jewellery. There were brooches and earrings and rings and ornaments. But only the people who had gold brought the gold. There were others who had silver and bronze. So that is what they brought as an offering. Others had acacia wood, so that is how they helped to build. There were some who had onyx stones and gems, so they gave those as an offering. Each one gave out of what they had to give. Some of them had spices and oils because that was what they had and that was what was needed. Those that had blue or purple or scarlet yarn brought as an offering blue, purple and scarlet yarn. Still others brought goat here and ram skins, and still others brought the skills to weave the goat hair and to spin the yarn. Why did they bring those things? Because that is what they had to offer and that is what God asked of them. Never look down on the gifts and the blessings that you have. God didn't just ask for gold, silver, or bronze. He also asked for goat hair. And there would have been many in the community unable to bring gifts of gold or silver or bronze, but they were able to bring what they had. They were able to bring goat here or they were able to bring their skills in weaving. In fact, if everybody had brought gifts of gold, they would not have been able to build the tabernacle. It wouldn't have got the job done. Gold on its own was not enough. Goat here on its own was not enough, but when each brought a gift out of what they had and in response to what God had asked of Moses when he was in that place of intimate relationship, they were able to build what God had asked of them. It took a group of people who were willing to give what they had, who were willing to use the skills that they had and whose hearts moved them to respond, I believe there may be some people today who have really struggled with the blessed part of Build and Bless. That you look at what you have, at your gifts and your blessings and your skills, you look at it in isolation and you don't feel that it's enough. And I really wanna say to you today that God is not asking you for what you do not have. He is asking you if you are willing to bless others with what you do have. What God has given you is the very thing that he wants you to use to bless others with. I also recognise today that as I speak of things like isolation, there will be many who are going through that very situation, that right now you are physically separated from people because you are required to be or that you are feeling deeply disconnected and isolated because of all that is going on in life at the moment. Even if you have people close to you, you may be feeling that sense of isolation. I want to encourage you today that God truly desires to be with you, to be near to you. Throughout all of human history, God has relentlessly pursued close and deep relationship with his people. That is the story of the Bible. That is the purpose of the gospel. And he is inviting us now to turn our times of isolation into times of intimacy, to turn our times of solitude into times of communing with him. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Mark 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Matthew 14, verse 23. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Jesus knew what it was to separate himself from others so he could be alone with Father God. It was in those places of solitude that he maintained that deep, perfect, intimate relationship. But he also, in another moment, knew what it was to be in a place of isolation. See, as Jesus went to the cross for us and as he hung there with all the burden of the sin of the world upon him, he was for the first time truly separated from the Father. And we read in Matthew 27, about 3 in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Ali, Ali, Lema which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, Jesus went through the pain and anguish and suffering of isolation and separation from Father God so that we would no longer have to. This is the incredible gift that we have received. This is the incredible blessing that we have, that we are no longer separated from God, that we no longer have to be isolated from Him because of what Jesus did on the cross for each and every one of us. I'd love to pray with you. Thank you, Lord, that you give me a grace that I don't deserve. You give me a peace that I don't understand, a love that will never run dry. You give me mercy that will never fail. You give riches that will never fade. You give righteousness that we could never attain. Thank you, Lord, that you turn our mourning into dancing, our sorrow into joy. You turn our wilderness into pools of living water. And Lord, in this season, we desire to draw near to you afresh, that we would draw away with you, not draw away from you. God, when we find ourselves alone and in times of solitude, we would seek your presence, listen to your voice, read your word, that they would not become times of isolation, but instead they would become moments of intimacy. God, thank you for your blessings you've given us. Thank you for the incredible gift of salvation and help us to live a life that chooses to bless others with what we've been blessed with. That all glory and all honour and all majesty would be given to you as your kingdom advances. Lord, I pray right now that the comforting presence of your Holy Spirit would be with all those who feel isolated and disconnected. And for all who don't feel confident that the gift they are holding is enough, Let them be confident in the gift of Jesus Christ, our Saviour, our Lord, and our friend. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.